This episode that celebrated our six-month anniversary aired the day after the Breonna Taylor verdict. And I opened the show with some comments made by Maria Taylor, NBA host on ESPN. And so just wanted to replay some of that, but really talk about the hope that we have to hold on to moving forward. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. This is Impact, the podcast. Uh, will only come when people choose humanity over power, when white evangelicals that say they love God practice the scripture, how can you love God whom you have not seen, but hate your brother who you see every day. It will only happen when liberals really become allies and move to the forefront of holding elected officials, family, friends, colleagues accountable. So, yes, the show will go on. We'll have a good time. We'll have some laughs, but it won't be easy. It will go on under duress. It will go on under protest. It will go on because my hope is not solely in man. My hope is in God. And so I wanted to take this opportunity because I don't take this platform lightly. I know it's a podcast and I know most of the people might think, well, you know, it's, you know, me and Neff have never professed to be Joe Rogan or Michelle Obama or Oprah Winfrey or two dope chicks or none of that. Um, But we started this as a platform to listen and to be heard. And I think we've done that in the six months that we've been um, doing this. And so I want to thank you all for coming today and for listening today. Um, We do have a good show lined up for you today. um, And I'm going to turn it over to Nefertiri um, at this time. Thank you, Tanya. So six months, right? And for us, actually, it's another celebration just over the horizon a year with Black Girl Ventures. Robin, thank you so much. Marion, thank you. Uh, Tierra is not here, but you all are becoming the sisters that um, that I need right now. Yes. So we started off with catalysts. No, actually, we started off with human capital, right? Yes. And then we moved into catalysts. We started talking about the reservoir and disruption. Then we moved to adaptation. Last month, we talked about system and now resilience. So I'm prepared. I hope everyone else is prepared. I'm actually doubly, <laughs> doubly prepared right now. Yingling, Philadelphia, or Pennsylvania's own, right? So black and tan. Tanya, what are you drinking? I am actually drinking local as well. I have the Yards Brewing Company, which is right on 900 Spring Garden Street. And it's a stone throw from where I live at. I'm drinking their pink sparkling tart berry ale. That's what Very I'm drinking. Very nice. <laughs> Ashley? Are you all are you, indulging? Are you indulging? <laughs> nice. I'm bougie. <laughs> No worries. So, and, and I, I see uh, Robin's got water. So this is how it goes. Uh, since this is a, a COVID podcast, every time Corona is said, we have to drink, even if that's just Schuylkill, Schuylkill uh, water. Right? <laughs> Schuylkill <laughs> punch. Even if it's Schuylkill Schuylkill punch. punch. <laughs> All right. So resilience. What, is, what does that mean to me? I'm actually, if you could see me, like I have this really nice green top. My bottoms are fatigues. I'm out near Harrisburg. I've been out in the fields of the military all week long. 
I consider this a win to be here. And there's a lot of things we could talk about, about just toughening it out, being resilient. But most of us in this room right now are women. Some of us mothers, we are resilient. Human by nature are resilient. Women more so. Black women and women of color go through a lot in this country. And today we've asked Ashley Edmonds of Mixtros to join us. Name the Entrepreneur's Magazine inaugural list of 100 powerful women in 2019. Carrie and Ashley are a dynamic mother and daughter duo, new wave of entrepreneurs, and they've done a lot. The list goes on and they're the top 50 this, top 100 this. I know Ashley personally doesn't like being at the top of a list. She thinks it should be normalized. Ashley, will you take yourself off mute? I'm here. I'm ready. <laughs> and we appreciate you being here and being present. You had to move from Tennessee to Alabama to really put your stake in the ground. What would you say is the one thing you don't want others to look at your success and take for granted? I think uh, just that a lot of the success, like I think that people see all those all those things that you named, those, those things were years in the making. They weren't just like I got to the market and then that started happening. They're there because there's roots, there's a foundation, and then there's building on top of that. So I would ask just people to remember about entrepreneurs, like they're in the hustle. The hustle is never ending. It is rare that it is an overnight success. That word is so overused because it's really like the uh, one of the co-founders of Airbnb says he was like a 1,300-day success. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So I know that you all are credited with securing a $100,000 investment from the Cases Revolution Fund. Then you went on to close a million-dollar round of funding, 37th and 38th Black females to close a million dollars, right? So what do you think that any entrepreneur, woman of color listening right now should prepare to position herself to receive when she gets in front of a, a panel of possibly all white men? How does she get her mind right? I think it's a lot of things, you know, having a business is much like having a relationship. And so the longer you're in it, the better you get it. And so you're just able to kind of like know things like, you know what to say, like not at the end of the question, but as the question is being said, you already know where you're going to go because you've thought about all these things. So just reminding them to, you know, enjoy the journey understand that it's going to take time. It's going to take dedication and sacrifice and all of that. Um, I would say one of the big things that has happened for me now, because I'm actually in the middle of fundraising right now, and being able to speak our truth has been such a refreshing thing for me, just in light of everything that's happened in the world. Like I have literally said to an investor, he says like, you know, something like, oh, you know, I see between 2015 and 2018, like, you know, your growth was kind of stagnant, this, that, and the third. And I on Zoom have said, oh, don't adjust your screen. I am black. And, <laughs> and then like, you know, there's like a big like, oh, I can't believe she just said that out loud. But it's like, but that's what my truth has been. Data does not lie. Mm -hmm. And so being able to say that in lieu of trying to skirt around the issue has been completely refreshing. So I would tell founders, mm -hmm. live your truth, be who you are, present yourself as you want to be um, taken in, and then the room will adjust to you. I love that. I absolutely love that, Ashley. Thank you so much for sharing that. Mm -hmm. It reminds me, I was uh, watching the Emmys the other night, and mm -hmm. Issa Rae kind of said something similar 
to what you were saying on how she had to navigate rooms and guys would try to tell her how to tell our story. And she said she would just look at him like, you do realize I'm black. <laughs> Why are you trying to tell me how to tell how to tell our story? Like, you know, and it's so ironic. And I, I know your background has really been and I want to give you an opportunity to tell us about your background um, and tell us really. Um, you know, how Mixtros came into being and where you saw the merging of event planning and technology um, in a data-driven way that you thought, you know, it was time to move in that direction. Yeah, so good, really good question. So my background is I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. That's where, so my mom and I are co-founders. So we're from Cleveland, Ohio. Over time, we ended up, I in New York City and my mom in Nashville, you know, so my mom and I were always very, very close as I was coming up. You know, she was like a mom friend type deal, which is great. And um, my claim to fame back in college, when I was in college, I had a networking experience. Like this was my first big networking experience. So I was paired up with a classmate of mine and he, after talking with me for like an hour, and the crazy thing is he and I probably wouldn't have gravitated toward one another naturally, but because it was 2007 and we just happened to be paired and we couldn't snap or tweet or send a message or any of that, that didn't exist. We were all still on Motorola razors. Y'all remember those? Uh, so, um, you know, we had a conversation. And so he sent an email on my behalf. And then three weeks later, I became LeBron James first intern. So that moment in time literally changed everything. It changed what I wanted to do and all of that. So I ended up then moving to New York through a LeBron Connect, started off as somebody's executive assistant, and then started working in events in New York. And, you know, it was fantastic. I used to plan events from $10,000 upwards of a few million dollars. And so I was living and working in New York, good, but I wanted to go to an event to broaden my professional network. And so when I was at this event and it came time to network, the organizer said, go up to someone with the same color dot on their name tag as you. And most of the people at this event were women. And so when you do that, you go up to somebody, you look at their breast area and then you're like, okay, I'm blue and you're blue. Let's talk about it. And that is a really awkward way to go about the connecting experience. And so it was in that evening that my mom and I, we had a long discussion about that. And then we came up with Mixtros because we looked on the internet. My mom calls it the Google. So we looked on the Google and we, <laughs> and we couldn't find a solution. There were people who sh shared the thesis around the power of face-to-face -face connectivity, but nobody was doing it in the way that we thought of doing it. And so that's when we decided that we could build it ourselves. And my mom and I basically took our experience in the human asset, you know, being her an HR executive and myself an event producer. And we thought about the connection experience. And so we built a software with humans in mind first and tech second. And that's kind of the biggest, uh, one of the bigger differentiators that we have in the market right now. That's awesome. That, that's, that's really awesome. So how does Mixtro see the platform positioning itself for for success in this new normal where hybrid virtual and in-person events really become the standard. Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting, you know, in March, we were a live product only in March of this year. And so our market was decimated, just gone overnight. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh my gosh, people aren't going to meet anymore. Uh, and, you know, bigger than that, people are dying from this thing, you know, and wait, you see, I skirted around the word that I, that I was supposed to be prompted <laughs> to say. Um, so, uh, um, 
What we did is we accelerated the development of a virtual feature. We knew we were going to have to have a virtual feature. It was just supposed to come out in October of this year. And so we accelerated that, got it to market in like a month and a half, uh, had customers pre-selling it, and then went like, you know, have been selling in. And it's crazy. We grew 300% between Q2 and Q3. And so I know I'm like... Yeah. And it, what people have really started to realize is this, like Mixtros' function is connection. That's the thing that we focus on. We don't focus on anything else. Connection and data collection. Those are the two things. And the way that we've been able to make a distinction for ourselves is we say that we're perfect complement to someone's Zoom or WebEx or Microsoft Teams or whatever they're using. The reason being, these platforms were made for what we're doing right now. It's the dissemination of information. <laughs> they weren't made for peer-to-peer connection in mind, and that's what we focus on. And so we've been able to carve out a niche in the market for ourselves. And so now we have a live platform, and now we have a virtual platform. And so we feel very prepared for the future. What the, And, you know, if people are wondering, you're like, what does Mixtros do? So you, you get on the application as an attendee wherever you are and you find your event you do a quick virtual name tag and answer a series of questions all in under two minutes then when it's time for you to break into groups we use an algorithm a waiting mechanism in that real-time data and we put you in groups based on how the host set the criteria so you get put into a virtual meeting space with your small group of three to ten we don't match one to one because people prefer to meet for the first time in groups and then um, once you get there, we tell you why you're there. And there's one of the distinguishing factors. People can't really just be thrown in a place and expect to just have that magic happen. But if you set them up with a why, like you tell everybody in the group that they're from Cleveland, for example, connection happens. And it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing to see. So engagement increases and data collection. That's what we do at Mixtros. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I like the idea of the of the connection. I know I was watching you do a demonstration on Monday um, and the um, the icebreaker uh, part of it. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because all the events are variable from one another because the host gets to ask a variable set of questions because they know what criteria would best connect their attendees. So it's just interesting what will happen when humans get set up for success and put in a place together. I mean, we've had some very valuable conversations come from that. And the icebreaker is really just the spark. If you give people a place to start, their humanity kicks back in. People forget that like humans were made to connect. It's one of the things we've been doing the longest, you know, humans all connecting with one another. And so in the digital age, what we find is humans just need to be set up for success. They don't need a ton of bells and whistles for connection to happen. You just need to set them up to get it done. That's what we find a a lot of the time. And as I'm sitting here listening to you explain the technology and even the technique behind the technology, thinking, have they figured out how to quantify, if not qualitatively, quantify the human connection because so many people right now are starved we'd rather be in person yes everyone is is nodding their head (laughs) we'd rather be in person we'd rather hug or shake hands but we can't do that so what do you see as like the missing piece in the virtual space in being able to connect what's missing 
people, I think the biggest thing is for whatever reason, people are thinking content is king. Content's important. Sure, that's how you get people to stay. People forget the value, though, of the human asset. The power is ultimately with the people because if the people don't get it online, then the content doesn't matter. So that they, so then they also forget what that connectivity can do to people. When people are engaged and connected at an event, even virtually, it will cause them to purchase from you, donate to you, sign Sign up for your cause and most importantly, come back to your next event. So it's just people forgetting the human asset. We're so digitized right now that people are so focused on like the tools, the platform, the this. But Jack Dorsey of Twitter has said it over and over again. Twitter's amazing, but the power's in the people. It's not the platform. That's interesting. The power in the people is not the platform. That's yeah. Yeah, that's 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 heavy. So I want to give um, our our audience an opportunity to ask uh, Ashley some questions while we have her while we have her here before we move on um, to Tracy, who's no stranger to the um, impact stage. But I want to certainly open up, ask Gary to open up the microphones to see if any um, any of our uh, audience have any questions for for Ashley before she does. She's gonna do like uh, Ashley. You want to do the five minute thing like you did Monday for me? Or- no. Uh, yeah, I can, okay, I can okay. certainly take people through it. Yeah, I can. Okay, I'm glad. Cool. Wait, guess what? A chance uh, to talk about the software? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, any questions for Ashley before she does like a little, a little five minute demo? Should we do the demo and then do the questions? I can do, I can walk people through what the software okay. looks like and then that'll help people think of things. Okay. People, if you want to think of things that you can ask me, you can certainly ask me about business. You can ask me about fundraising. You can ask me about how fun it is to at one time share a bed with your mom as a grown up. You can ask me about that. Um, you can ask me about being single in Birmingham, Alabama. Feel free. It's a hot mess. Okay, so I'm going to share my screen. So, oh, you need to um, uh, allow me to share my screen on this Zoom. Scary, and oh, even Gary. though even though oh. Ashley didn't say Corona, I'm, me and Neff are gonna take a drink anyway. <laughs> uh, wait, get it? I was gonna say get it. I understand. Okay, so everybody, I'm just gonna walk you through uh, this video and show you what happens when people access access Mixtros. So here we go. So Mixtros is available on your iPhone, Android, and we also have a web app available. So, you know, if people are already on Zoom, all they have to do is open Mixtros in a web browser and they are completely good to go. So that is a complete friction reducer. Let me tell you, when we added that, I was like, ah. So um, the way this works is you type in a code as an attendee and it will pull an event to you. So this event has in, in advance been customized by the event organizer. So they're going to join this mix and then they're going to set up a name tag, which includes taking a selfie. So here's the reason why we asked for a selfie. So on the live version of Mixtros, this was more important. Reason being, we found that when people take pictures of themselves, they're more likely to show up to what you need them to later because they know that their picture is going to appear in a group. So we found that over time. The other thing we found is people are awful at choosing photos that actually represent themselves. And so people, you know, will put up a headshot from a while ago. They'll put up the the very uh, filtered selfie. We just need to know what you look like on the day of the event so your group members can find you. So these are, these and other things are the reason why we asked for this selfie. So the next thing that happens is you complete your name tag and it's just a basic information request. So name, email address is the most basic form of this. So the reason why we do it this way is we 
we found that when you start asking people to log in through third-party applications like Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever, it stalls the process. If they can't remember their login credential and they get stuck or whatever, they'll stop. But when you ask them for information that they know top of mind, they'll, the, the tendency for them to complete is high. So the last thing that happens in Mixtures is the question series. So usually in a mix, there are 10 questions. So the cool thing here is these questions can be literally anything our event organizer wants. And the purpose of this is to collect data. And then this is the criteria we use to make matches. So this question, best of Birmingham, there's five options here. So if the organizer were to weight this question similar, people who choose civil rights district will be grouped together. People who choose museum grouped together and so on. If the event host weights this diverse, you're going to get a mixture of the available answers inside of attendee groupings. And if the organizer weights this with no weight, you're just going to collect the data. So essentially what we're doing is allowing the organizer to engineer the serendipity that they want to see at their event. So after the attendee completes this, they're done. And then when it's time for networking or the cocktail hour, or whenever your people are going to be engaging, everyone gets a push notification and they see who they've been matched with. Mixtros makes groupings between three and 10, but you as the organizer get to choose. And then you're invited to join a virtual meeting space right inside of Mixtros. So people will now join your space. And if you click on this dot uh, in the top corner here, I'll do it in a second in this video, uh, you will get access to your group data and your icebreakers. And so that's where the connection starts from this video communication software. You can do absolutely everything that you can do in a Zoom. People ask all the time why we didn't just integrate with Zoom directly. And the reason is pretty straightforward. Some of our customers, they're not Zoom people. And so when we said, hey, we're integrated with Zoom, they'd be like, oh, well, we're WebEx. We can't touch that. So because I have this like brand agnostic video hosting, it allows me to pair with whatever my customers are already using. So while all your people are meeting with one another, then um, all the collected data is visualized for the organizer. So that is Mixtros in a very fast nutshell. And y'all, if anybody's going to give me the, the back, the question, uh, I talk fast. I know. I'm aware. <laughs> it's feedback that I have, but I've just accepted who I am. So it's just who you are, Ashley. I, it so it's, it's all it's all good. But you know, I want to ask you what kind yeah. of what kind of data are you are you finding? Are you mining new data? Like what are you what are you seeing? What is the data saying? I mean, it can say simple things, or if you're collecting it over time, it can say something more impactful. I mean, people use this at like, think about an employee town hall or something. Like mm -hmm. you have all your employees there. You want to ask them questions that you can use later. A very simple example of that is we had a company ask them like, how do you like to be rewarded? And they pulled that data from Mixtros and found that people like to be uh, rewarded in X way, but they were about to buy Y. So they were mm -hmm. like, oh, we should go to X. So again, depending on how you're using Mixtros, like it can just be very impactful data and our three main verticals that we play in are events uh just general events uh education higher education more often than not have a lot of college customers right now because the students they're stuck in the dorm they're like ah how do we meet people so mm -hmm. this is helpful in that mm -hmm. and then also um enterprise so you know when we're talking about dni or hr or orientation or any of those things we are a tool that can be layered you know basically anytime people are gathering i love it i love Thank it you. <laughs> i see a couple questions in the in the chat um I'm going to yeah. go back to Marion's, but I'm going to start with Tracy's as far as, you know, how much does it cost to be an organizer? And 
Yeah, how much? What, yeah, what thank, you I'm like, thank you for that question, Tracy. <laughs> um, it is, so to get started with mixed shows, it's $249. $249 covers you up to 250 attendees and you're good to go. So it just can be an add-on, but most of our customers purchases, purchase us in packages. And then when you do that, your price per mix goes down. Like I literally mm-hmm. just had a customer pur- purchase $20,000 of mixes at once. And I was like. You were like, yeah. <laughs> Wait, I know. I was like this. I, okay. I, I, this was me. Welcome. Welcome, <laughs> all of you. <laughs> yes. I was like, do you need my cell phone number? Here it is. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And so Marion also asked, when did you decide to start fundraising? And do you think you did it too soon or too late? I love okay. that question. So Marion, I'm so glad that you asked this question because I, like, I have something so important to say around this topic. So to answer your question first, so my mom and I, the first thing that we did, so my mom says that she bootstrapped and I sandal strap, which is so, (laughs) I think it's so rude because like, I'm like, I'm younger than you. Of course I put in less money than you. Okay. And so we did like 50 K between us and my stepfather. And then we started a friends and family round. And so one thing that I will say about somebody who is looking for a co-founder, do not over look women over 40 in your network let me tell you why women over 40 like if they're any sort if they're in any sort of like ownership executive kind of position they've been through it because they had to come up when there was no me too us too them too black people white people like they, they didn't have any of that they just had to figure it out so find you a woman over 40 because what you're getting corporate experience just coupled with another generational experience and also, I do not believe we would have been able to successfully raise friends and family. We did $200,000 over time, but I don't think that I would have been able to do that solo. Reason being, when I look at my friend group at that time, they were all in their you know, early 30s, having babies, living in New York City, just had a wedding. Like nobody just had money sitting around. Whereas I look you know, at my mom's friends, she, you know, they were executives, so they had disposable income that they were just like, yeah, have fun, ladies. So again, I don't think, I don't think that I would have been able to successfully do that. So friends and family lasted us. So 200 grand spread from 2015, 2016, 2017, and a bit of 2018. If you know anything about uh, tech companies, that's no money. Like that is like no money. So we stretched that money. And then in, at the end of 2018 is when we raised a seed round of funding. And so we won a pitch competition. And then it took us another six months, literally to the day to raise that other $900,000 and change. But here's the crazy thing. You start laying the track for raising around the funding if that's the road that you're going, like from day one of the business. And the best example I have to illustrate this is I said I'm raising around right now. We secured a lead investor today, y'all, in the round. Um, but we met this guy for the first time January 20-something of 2018 and have been continually talking with him, keeping up with him, going out of our way to like cross paths with him when we know that he's around and about. Like that, that stuff is such a long game. So that, and then here's the final thing that I'll say. So that stat about being the 37th and 38th black females to raise a million dollars. Cool. But like, here's what was more important to me when we did that million dollars sounded really good and pressed to be completely honest with you. And so I knew if we raise like $900,000 and change, it's not going to be so splashy, but I know that press drives sales for us. So I was like, it just needs to be 1 million so I can have a nice round number. But in actuality, when we raised that money, a million dollars we thought was going to be growth capital because we've been in the business so long. 
false. That capital was foundational capital. And now I'm ready to grow because what happens is when it takes you as a founder of color so long to raise that funding, all it does is keep you behind your peers. It's like running a hundred meter dash with a 10 minute delay. So it's like, when we raise funding, finally, we have to then go back and put process behind hustle because when you build a business on hustle, while that's great, it can't scale. And so that is just like part of the systematic things that we have to fix because until founders of color start getting funded in a way that's comparable to everybody else, then we're just going to stay behind and we're never going to be able to have unicorn companies and so on, which is, you know, it's a whole other issue. But thank you for giving me the grace to say that because I was like, I have to say this because I swear I'm gonna write a whole book on it. Get ready today's show because I'm coming. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Get ready. Get ready. What's interesting about you speaking so fast is that you fit so many more words in the same space of time. So all we have to do is rewatch this like two or three times and we're golden. That's why I'm so good at pitch competitions. Cause like, they're like, tell us about your business in three minutes. And I'm like, are you ready? (laughs) Yeah. Ashley's my hero. Cause you know, I I talk pretty fast. So, you know, that's uh, I love it. Ashley, thank you. I see so many questions are still popping up in the in the chat. People are still like, yeah, you know, no, so I'll like, actually I'll stick around for a minute, like yeah, in the in, chat, and just answer chat. anything. But no, y'all, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for doing what you're doing and amplifying voices. This work is so important. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And, oh, thank and congratulations. You. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a tremendous episode we had today with. Ashley Ambrose of Mixtros just dropping so many nuggets about being a black female founder about fundraising about relationships the process the hustle just just incredible be sure to check them out at mixtros.com and that's m-i-x-t-r-o-s.com they're on all social media platforms at Mixtros also as usual I want to thank our partners at the Venture Cafe for their support and giving us this platform to share and last but not least this episode of Impact Listen and Be Heard has been sponsored by AARP Philadelphia during its proud 34 year history of nonpartisan voter engagement AARP has provided voters with the information on where the candidates stand on issues important to its members and their families so they can make their own decisions on election day and this year is no different until election day AARP will fight to make sure voters 50 plus can make their choices heard AARP wants every Philadelphian to stay safe stay healthy and make your voices heard once again, my name is Tanya T. Morris. On behalf of my co-host, Nefertari Strickland, and myself, thank you for listening to Impact the Podcast. Always and forever remember, now is the day, so enjoy it. Yesterday is over, so learn from it, and tomorrow is not promised, so pray about it.